Among the most surprising statistics to come out of Ontario in 2022 was the number of people who died in fires. In fact, the number was the highest that we've seen in two decades and had been growing for years leading up to 2022. From 2010 through 2019, Ontario saw around 75 to 100 fire-related deaths each year. And then when COVID hit, people started spending a lot more time at home and we started seeing more people lose their lives in fires. In 2020, that number was 115. In 2021, it was 125. Then in 2022, the number climbed to 133 people. With all the media we have available and all the tragic stories we hear, it seems like things are getting worse when it comes to fire safety in the province. So, are fires getting more dangerous or are we becoming more complacent? The answer, oddly, is both. This is 133 Dead, Ontario's tragic record-breaking year. Here's your host, Haley Chang. If you can't get out of a house fire in the first uh, a few minutes or seconds, um, you probably aren't going to get out. And unfortunately, you're going to become a fatality and a statistic. It still all comes down to last year, 133 people died in the province of Ontario. That's, that's unacceptable, quite honestly. Um, and, and I think uh, there isn't a fire service member in the province that doesn't feel that number as an, it, it, it hurts when you, when, you, when you hear that that many people died in fires. That was Bill Hunter, fire chief of Perth East. Some fires can be unavoidable, a faulty wire or an unforeseen fluke. Others are the exact opposite usually born out of carelessness. It's the things that slip our mind or the gambles we're willing to take for the sake of convenience. It's the extra steps we don't take that could have a deadly consequence. The number one cause of fires in general is, is, has been unattended cooking. That is still the most, uh, the most prevalent cause of, uh, of fires in specifically in residential and like a large part of our fires are in residential occupancies. Um, generally, the number one cause of fatal fires is smoking, like um, um, carelessly discarding of smoking materials. And I think that's, you know, people fall asleep smoking or, uh, yeah, put it, put it out in a, you know, not in an approved container. Um, the problem with cigarette, um, like not putting out your cigarette, whatever you're throwing away is still essentially on fire, right? Like it's, it's got a little burning butt at the end. Um, and in the right circumstances, and that's very important, I mean, it's possible. It, it's still somewhat unlikely. That's why it doesn't happen way more often. But it is definitely possible for a cigarette butt to keep smoldering and at some point create a flaming combustion. And then if there's combustible material, something that burns close by, now you've got a fire. That was Rule Bus, Chief Fire Prevention Officer in Sarnia. It doesn't take much for an unexpected fire. It just needs the basics we've all learned before. Heat, fuel, and oxygen. It could be as simple as a carelessly discarded cigarette butt, finding its way onto a couch cushion. Combined with oxygen, you now have the perfect unexpected storm for a fire. And the fire, first of all, grows fairly quickly, and especially in today's materials, like all our furniture, whatever's in the house is all synthetic. Um, and so the fire grows very rapidly. In, in this environment, like this, uh, um, uh, the way that our houses are furnished now, we have uh, a phenomenon that's called flashover within about two to three minutes. 
And flashover means once a fire starts, it grows, it gets the, the, the heat in the room gets to a point where it reaches the ignition temperature, temperature of everything in the room. It means literally means that everything starts burning all at the same time. That's an unsurvivable event. And in today's environment, it happens like three minutes into the fire. So you have no time. You have no time at all, hardly any time at all. So if you have a proper smoke alarm, you're going to get woken up well before you get to that point. The issue here is that not everyone has a working smoke alarm. Some might not even have one at all. This is often where we see fatalities. Like essentially, we're looking at a big problem is that um, if you don't have a working smoke alarm, you will not wake up in a fire. And that's, that's when uh, a fatality is, is, is much, more, much more prevalent. And in the beginning, when a fire is, is starting up, it's, it's craving the oxygen, it's, start, it's starving for oxygen. So one of the byproducts for this for the fire is carbon monoxide. Once it's free burning, you know, you have a nice campfire outside and there's very little smoke. It's all carbon dioxide and um, some other like nasty gases and everything. But in the beginning, that's way worse. And it's um, and you've got carbon monoxide as well. So um, it, it kind of makes you drowsy. It's like some people think that a fire will wake me up. It doesn't. It actually does the opposite. It makes you drowsy, makes you like sleep deeper. Uh, and a lot of times it's the carbon monoxide and the smoke that's, uh, that's, that creates the fatality. Um, and then, you know, people don't get out, then the fire rages and they get found afterwards. So that's, that's the tragedy. This makes clear the importance of a smoke detector. If a fire in your house can actually make you sleep deeper, what else can you expect to wake you up? That's why it has long been the law to have both smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors in your home. This is Fire Chief Chris Case of Chatham-Kent. Most people think that they've got plenty of time to escape. And the statistics show that in a lot of cases, you've got less than three or four minutes to get out of the house before the house becomes consumed. If you've got the modern smoke detector, if it's properly placed, will start activating in the really, really early stages of the fire to give you as much time as possible. So in some cases, these smoke detectors are activating before there's visible smoke. You know, when we're just seeing the initial blaze and if it's if, it, if it's in the right place, you get in as much time as you need. I think in my experience, the biggest issue is, is that nobody ever expects it to happen to them. Nobody actually expects their house to catch fire. When you look at some of the reports as to why people are dying in fires, what's concerning is the vast majority of people are dying in relatively um, simple situations through lack of a smoke alarm or through lack of testing a smoke alarm. One major takeaway is to take your fire detectors seriously. When they're too sensitive to a plate of burnt toast, that's a good thing. Not only does it mean that it will pick up the smallest of potential fires, but you also know what sound to react to. Also, for the love of God, leave your batteries in the detector. In young olden days, years gone by, we quite often roll up to a fire and the smoke alarm wasn't working because someone had taken the, the little square nine volt battery out and put it in the TV remote because, you know, priority TV remote's not working, so we'll take the smoke alarm batteries out. That was very, very common. Now, the vast majority of smoke alarms you buy, that battery is, is sealed in there and it can't be taken out. But the other thing to remember as well is, Every month, test them. Make sure you test your smoke alarms. You know, you have, to, you have to make sure that they're actually working. Even with a working smoke alarm, the fact is you only have a few precious minutes to get out. And so every household needs to have an escape plan. So when the smoke alarm goes off, 
you know, there's going to be panic. You know, if you get woken up by a smoke alarm in the middle of the night, it's not going to be like the TV where you're suddenly looking around and the smoke and you suddenly come to your senses. There's going to be blind panic. Your house is on fire. You want to be able to get your children. You want to get the vulnerable people who live with you. Your pets. You need a plan. A person's uh, adrenaline will will obviously uh, increase and uh, you're panicking. Uh, you're worried uh, about what to do. Um, that's why um, practicing that home escape plan uh, don't don't practice it at two o'clock in the afternoon. Do it at ten o'clock at night. Practice it when you aren't like don't don't tell people that you're going to do this. Just press the smoke alarm and just see if everybody in your house knows how to get out. Practicing your home escape plan can save the lives of you and your family. And with the limited time to get out of the house, it's surprising people don't practice it more often. Here are some things you should focus on. Always try and have two ways out. Imagine if the fire was here, how would we get out? If you know, if the if the fire was in the kitchen, how would we get out? If you're closing the doors to the rooms like your, your lounge and your kitchen, then you're actually holding that fire back to allow you to escape. So always try and think of two ways to get out. But most importantly, have a have somewhere you'll all meet up. So, you know, if you say like there's a tree in the front garden, that you know, that type of thing. It's really important that once people get out, they stay out because in my experience, the problem has always been people rushing out the house and then decided to go back for something. So if you've got that plan where you grab whatever you need, and believe me, all you need is the people in the, who live in your house. You don't need anything else. Everything else is replaceable. You get outside of the house and you have your plan ready. Make sure somebody dials 911. And the message I always give to people is don't go back, no matter what, you know, you, you know, you the oil painting on the wall or the kids' photographs, these are all terrible things to lose. But all it takes is one moment when you go back in the house and that fire is building and building whilst you're outside. So once you get out, you need to stay out and then wait for the fire crews to come. Something else to consider when thinking about the loss of life in fires is the challenges faced by those with disabilities. For people who are hard of hearing or people with mobility issues, things get a lot more complicated in these situations. Frankly put, their window of getting out alive is a lot smaller than that of an average person. If you are or if you know somebody who's particularly vulnerable, give us a call and let us come and do a home safety check. And there's some, you know, we, we'll do whatever we can. And we, we've got a host of partner agencies we can work with to try and keep that person safe. We did a partnership with the Meals on Wheels service and the fire crew went in just helping deliver the meal. And, you know, a lot of these people were in the 90s. And half the people didn't have working smoke alarms. I can recall one person who was very hard of hearing. It was very difficult for them to have a smoke alarm. So we installed a special smoke alarm with a bed shaker. So if they're in bed, the bed vibrates because the smoke alarm's going off again to give them as much notice as possible so they can call 911 or through the pendant they call 911 and the fire crew can show up. There are a lot of variables when it comes to getting out of a fire. It's like the old boxing saying, Everyone has a plan until you get smacked in the mouth. It's possible that something could arise in a fire that makes your escape plan impossible. There is a chance that you can be put in a position to make do with what you got or die. But don't panic. There are some solutions to help. If you do find yourself trapped, you know, you, you want to make sure that the door to the room is closed to create a barrier between you and the fire and the smoke. Uh, put some stuff against the bottom of it, roll up a towel or something to keep the smoke out. If you have your cell phone with you, which 
most people always do. Call 911, tell them exactly where you are in the house. Uh, any information you can give to uh, the 911 call takers is going to get passed on to the fire department and make their job a little easier when they get on scene if they knew exactly where you were in the house. Our dispatchers have saved thousands of lives over the years by giving advice, not just in fire situations, but in other situations. Like our dispatchers are the first of the first responders, I always call them, because that's the first real bit of advice you're going to get. So they will give you that advice. I'm stuck in the upstairs bedroom, the fire's outside the door. Get low, try and block up the doors, try and make sure, what room are you in, they'll ask you. Can, you know, what's the conditions like? They're relaying that information to the firefighters outside who are coming either through the fire to get you or there's a ladder coming up to the window. Firefighters are there to help and they are trained for these situations. But it's incredibly dangerous for them every time they step on the site of a burning building or a burning home. They aren't invincible and it's something that we should be keeping in mind the next time we neglect something in the oven or drag our feet replacing a smoke detector battery or throwing cigarette butts anywhere we please. It's not just our own lives at stake here. Every time that they go out, there's a risk to them. Uh, not only uh, fighting the fire and, and making rescues or whatever needs to be done, but simply driving to the the call. Uh, you read about it all the time where fire trucks get in get in accidents people don't don't yield the right away to fire trucks and the the risk it's a very risky business so the more that people can do to eliminate the need for us to go out is a benefit to everybody our firefighters in every fire station in chaplain kent are trained to operate in what is a highly dangerous environment going into a structure on fire is inherently dangerous it's it's you know it's it's the reason why the crews are wearing the bunker gear and the wearing a self-contained breathing apparatus because it is a very very dangerous atmosphere and they're going in there solely to save life so you know we'll commit at least two firefighters into the building to search and to make sure everybody's out so it is dangerous but i give credit to the firefighters they you know they spend a lot of time training you know they spend a lot of time studying and they spend a lot of time preparing so that if and when they're called, and this isn't just for fires, this is for car accidents, medical calls, and all the other things, the ice rescue they get called to, is they want to be as trained as possible. The fix is pretty simple when it comes to protecting yourself from fires. Spend the few seconds a month it takes to test your smoke detector. Take a few minutes out of your day to practice an escape plan. Keep a reminder on your phone for something you have in the oven, and replace your smoke alarms if they aren't working. It's not a lot to do, and it's not everything you could do. But needless to say, it can still save your life one day. The 519 Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.